Hey guys, this is the We Know Fantasy Podcast Contributors Podcast. Uh, this is your host for the evening, Steve Pintado, and I have with me two of my uh, colleagues here, Cody, as you guys already know, and we have a new face here, Nick. Nick, how's it going today? And Cody? It's doing great, Steve. Thanks for having me, Cody. How are you, bud? Doing great. Ready to talk some football. Awesome. Absolutely. Can't wait to talk some football tonight. Thursday Night Football is already on the way. I'm very excited about this week, so... Absolutely. Let's get, let's get right into, um, let's just talk about uh, Nick real quick. Nick, you're new to the, the We Know Fantasy team. Why don't you tell us, the, the listeners, a little about yourself? Uh, okay, well, um, I've been doing fantasy for about 20 years now. I know I'm kind of dating myself. Uh, originally started off, we would do our scores by the Philadelphia Daily Newspaper box score page. Uh, I kind of feel like fantasy took off uh, pre-PPR days, 2003. You know, Priest Combs, Amon Green, Ladanian Tomlinson. Um, won about four championships. I kind of consider myself the Buffalo Bills of fantasy football. I've been to a lot, just haven't won many. Um, DFS, I've been doing for two years. I'm fairly a newbie to Dynasty, but I re- I'm really intrigued by Dynasty. I like the, the whole setup of it and the way you run a team and the salary and everything like that. Um, I also have, um, I just started an Instagram page and a Twitter page this year in July, late July. So got to get my feet wet, giving out some advice. Um, Twitter, I'm at FB mechanic and Instagram fantasy underscore mechanic. Guys can check that out. Feel free. That's about it. Yeah, no, we're glad to have you part of the team. Um, as you guys know, you can find me at coach Stephen P. Yeah, and you can find me at Master Smithers on Twitter. Yeah, and you can find the uh, the podcast Twitter at We Know Fantasy. Please also check out www.weknowfantasy.com where uh, the three of us contribute to the website. You know, we have a lot of fun articles that we do out there, and we're real proud of what we uh, bring to you guys for the table. And then just always know every Monday, Nate does his waiver wire wish list podcast, breaking it down for you. And then every Wednesday, Nate is featured with the fantasy fro and they talk about the week that was the week that's coming up and anything in between they like to talk about uh they're a great duo together they really know their stuff and uh we're proud to be part of their team so uh we'll get right into our content for the day we're going to be doing some trade breakdowns some mid-season surprises and disappointments and we're going to hopefully end the show with some uh maybe some dfs so we'll get right into the trade breakdowns we have three for you today the first one was Odell Beckham for Josh Jacobs, standard league scoring. What do you guys think about this? Uh, me personally, I actually like the Jacobs side. Uh, his schedule is very soft coming up. He's got the Lions, the Bucks, uh, Jets, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I think they play the Chiefs as well. But I think even if we were to do a redraft right now, I'd probably take Jacobs over OBJ. Yeah, uh, I definitely agree. Uh, I also have Jacobs um, as as my side of the trade here. And you look at the volume that he's been getting, and volume is key in fantasy football. So, I mean, he's ha- he's got uh, 20 carries in three of the last six games. Um, and you got to remember, too, he's been nursing some injuries early on this season. He's been uh, missing some practices here this week, and he's uh, had a couple injuries earlier in the season. But he's posted back-to-back 100-yard games. Uh, he's been catching a couple more balls out of the backfield lately, uh, three apiece in each of the last two weeks. 
So, yeah, I definitely like Jacobs uh, in this trade. Unfortunately, I have to agree with you guys on that. I mean, I love Josh Jacobs this year. Again, he has the fourth easiest schedule remaining. He's definitely the focal point of this offense. And especially in standard, if it was PPR, it may sway my vote a little differently. But in standard, running backs are kind of key because they get the yardage in that. You know, Odell, that offense really hasn't been too connecting this fall this season. And he's not getting the, the high uh, receptions that we would expect from him in years past. So definitely Josh Jacobs would be a better fit on that trade. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think Baker is what's holding OBJ back a lot. I think if he was on a different team and it was not PPR, I'd probably swing OBJ. Yeah, and I just want to add, too, if you are looking to add OBJ or if if uh, you're looking for a wide receiver that you might be able to acquire for cheap, um, OBJ has a very soft postseason schedule. He's got Cincinnati twice and Arizona in the last four weeks. Wow. So he's got he's got a soft late-season schedule, He's so... Um, Definitely a guy that you can keep an eye on that you can buy low and maybe kind of bolster your your run to a championship. Yeah, 100% on that. But let's get right into our next trade. Uh, next trade is Chase Edmonds and Juju Smith-Schuster for uh, Chris uh, Chris Carson. I believe the Chris Carson owner has David Johnson, if I'm not mistaken. So what do you guys think of this trade? Yeah, actually, this uh, was a trade that uh, happened in one of my leagues. Uh, the owner... Of Chris Carson does have DJAC. To me, it seems like a, a panic move, so to speak. I think he was a little what the in, scared of the injury with DJ wants to back it up with Edmonds. I don't know. Honestly, this trade to me, it, I, I want to say I like the Chris Carson side, but Chris Carson's schedule down the road really scares me with the 49ers twice, the Vikings, the Eagles. So, um, but yet, I. I, I got to see more out of Juju and Edmonds to me is just a handcuff for DJ. I, I think you lock up the Arizona backfield, which I think is a good thing being the DJ owner, but we got to see more from Juju. And I think if Juju produces, I think the winner of that trade is Juju and Edmonds, honestly. Yeah. I'm also going to, uh, I'm, I'm going to jump on the uh, Edmonds and Juju side of the trade here. Um, I think, and and I'm only going that way because this guy has David Johnson. Uh, if if I'm not the David Johnson owner, then I don't really want uh, Edmonds or Juju. I'd rather have Chris Carson. But the fact that I that that this person is a David Johnson owner, uh, you're guaranteed to have the lead back in a fast-paced offense. The Cardinals run a ton of offensive plays, and and you can see what Edmonds did last week when he's the feature back in that offense. So. Um, I I I'm taking the uh, the Edmonds and Juju side. Uh, plus, you get at worst a nice bench piece with Juju. I mean, he's a guy that maybe uh, maybe one of your stud receivers goes down late in the season. Juju's a, a guy that you can probably throw in there, and and maybe he'll get your respectable fantasy game, uh, especially if him and Mason Rudolph kind of figure it out here down the stretch. No, definitely both great takes, guys. I mean. For, for when it comes to trades in general, guys, just just know that if you're going to send a trade to somebody, send them the full picture. And just in just a general sense, uh, I've got a couple of trades that, you know, just just make sure you send them the full picture so you really understand what you're trading for. Just on best, But based on this, though, I mean, I think that Edmonds and Juju Smith is, is a clear-cut winner for the most part just because you don't know what the teams are per se. Because get it, granted, you're getting Edmonds, you know, you know, DJ, DJ, uh, DJ don't know what his status is going forward. He could be out longer. 
could you know rest him longer. But you know he Edmonds definitely has value moving forward in this offense. And then you get Juju out of it. I like Juju. I honestly kind of like Juju rest of the season because Mason Rudolph is back now. You know I think the the offense gets going a little bit more on on the passing game. I mean I don't think he's going to put up the same numbers he was last year, unfortunately. But I think he could have a respectable rest of the season now. Uh, out of Juju and Chris Carson again has to verse the 49ers toys so does Chase Edmonds so they kind of both wash out because they do have rough matchups moving forward but we'll get right into our next trade here uh, the last one came from one of the one of the great great listeners uh, on Twitter uh, and his trade was giving away Russell Wilson uh, giving away J- Josh Allen Evan Ingram and Muhammad Snu for Russell Wilson, Greg Olson, and Tyler Lockett. What do you guys think about this one? I mean, to me, I think looking at it, it's quite obvious. I think he won the trade. Um, just going by players in it, I understand, you know, or as we all understand, Wilson's an MVP candidate as it stands right now, and Lockett has been producing well. I, I really didn't get a chance to look into the schedules with this. But schedules aside, I think it's a clear-cut win for Wilson, Olsen, and Lockett. Not knowing the, the roster makeup and what his backup tight end is, I think Olsen could be uh, a spot starter. I don't know if he has another tight end. Giving up Ingram seems like a lot, but when you really look at the numbers, uh, he's he's had injuries. That offense don't seem to be clicking outside of Saquon Barkley. I mean, Shepard's been hurt and in and out of the lineup, so – for me, I think he won that trade. It's a good trade for him, and best of luck, and thanks for listening and your support as well. Yeah, I got to agree here. Uh, this guy's getting a better quarterback. He's getting a better wide receiver, and he's given up a little bit tight end. But I like having that stack of Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett. Uh, Wilson's putting up huge numbers. Tyler Lockett's having a nice wide receiver one season. And uh, – I mean, Greg Olson's not really a slouch. You know, he's kind of a back end, tight end one. So, if you if you're improving your team significantly at quarterback and wide receiver, maybe you can afford to kind of stream tight ends or plug and play Olson and and hope he scores a touchdown week to week. No, definitely, definitely great takes on this one, guys. Unfortunately, I'm actually going to go against you guys. Uh, I was thinking about this at first, and I was like, maybe the Wilson trade. It's a great combo, him and Lockett, but. Thinking it over again, I mean, Russell does have hard matchups. He does have to verse the Rams again. He does have to verse San Francisco a couple times. So he does have touch, tough matchups moving forward. And um, Greg Olson, while he has great playoff matchups, he has to get to the playoffs first. And that's a definitely a up-and-down kind of schedule going forward for him. For me, I actually do like Josh Allen. Josh Allen, unfortunately, sometimes is inconsistent. But he has a solid run floor to him. He has great matchups moving forward to the, throughout the rest of the season. I do like his play going forward, even like it this week. And then for Evan Ingram, I think he still stays relevant in this offense. And the Giants do have great matchups in the playoffs. They do get the versus Miami, and I believe they have the versus Cincinnati at some point. So he does have great matchups in that note. And then Mohamed Sanu maybe isn't better than Tyler Lockett, but Mohamed Sanu could be a real sleeper, sneaky player the rest of the season. Maybe not this week against the Patriots, but he, I could see him possibly having some pretty decent numbers moving forward because they're, they've spent a second-round pick to get him, so they're going to use him in the offense, I think. I think that he gets involved and he ends up having productive games, and they do play better quality offenses moving forward. So even with that stout defense, I think that that's going to like kind of like give it up a little. They're going to give up more points and more yards later in the season, as most teams usually do. 
So I expect this to kind of be more shootout games, and I think Mohamed Sanu can really benefit from that. Yeah, I agree there. I, I think uh, Sanu is going to be a sneaky potential wide receiver, too, for some teams. Um, you know, getting the, the wide receiver, two looks in the New England offense, that team's looked pretty good. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what Sanu is going to do on an, a new team here, uh, on a winning team. Yeah, I agree. I, I think I would have liked to seen how the Patriots use Sanu in the offense first before really giving a take on them. Uh, but it is the Patriots. They, they use all kinds of players, I mean, in the right way. So I think if we got to see that first, we'd be able to gauge it straight a little more. But, you know, I think until we see that, I'm, I'm going to err on the side of caution. Yeah, it's definitely good to be cautious sometimes when it comes to trade. You never want to make a snap judgment when it comes to trading. But let's get right into our main topic of the night, and it's midseason trade surprises and disappointments. We basically picked one player each that we've been surprised with so far, and one player we've been disappointed. So, you know, I'll just start it off with the surprise. My surprise has been Cortland Sutton, someone who I was not really high on going into the season, just based on what he was able to do last year. But sometimes you can't just base people off their rookie season. You know, he really stepped up, up this year with Joe Flacco as quarterback, and it's Joe Flacco. Come on. I mean, he's not the best quarterback, but he's he's been producing with him. You know, he trusts Sutton. You know, he's got... 36 receptions on him the season, 564 yards and three touchdowns. And he's currently ranked fantasy wide receiver 12 in half point PR, PPR league. So, I mean, he's been doing very well this season. He has good matchups moving forward. I like him again this week, too. If you have him, definitely, he's definitely worth a good start. And he's just been dominating the snaps. He's been dominating the targets. He's been dominating the red zone. So he's showing that he's a true number one receiver. And he was showing that when he was in college, he had that potential to be a great receiver and kind of fell off in his rookie year. But He's really stepping up in a really big way, and, and I'm I'm liking I'm liking some uh, Cortland Sutton rest of the season. Even with Emmanuel Sanders gone, I think he might not get more targets per se, but I think he's still I think he still can uh, ball out for the for the Broncos and for your fantasy team. Yeah, for me, uh, my surprise um, is Austin Hooper. Uh, currently, he's the tight end number one. We're talking about a guy who, going into many drafts, he was the seventh anywhere from seventh to a ninth round pick. I mean. I've seen in leagues where Vance McDonald, Jared Cook, and Eric Ebron were picked ahead of him. He's currently got 124.6 total PPR points, which averages out to about 17.8 points per game for PPR. I mean, that's production that you just can't give up. He's currently has his points per game is higher than DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones, and um, I can't get the name, but it, it, I, I lost it. Going forward, I think it's even better because with Sanu gone, who played the slot for the Falcons, I think that opens up more catches for Austin Hooper going forward. And I think he's a solid play all year. I actually had him as my backup tight end when I drafted Ertz, and I traded him away, and I'm regretting it every single week so far. That's rough. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so so my midseason surprise is Terry McLaurin. And this is a guy that um, wasn't even on anybody's draft radar in the beginning of the season. I mean, I play in a dynasty league, and Terry McLaurin went undrafted in the rookie draft for my dynasty league. So this guy just really came out of nowhere. He's currently your wide receiver 19 on the season in PPR scoring. So he's a solid wide receiver, too. Um, He started the season with a three-game touchdown streak in the first three weeks. 
He's been taking care of business against some uh, less than ideal um, pass defenses. He went for five for 125 and a touchdown against the Eagles in week one, uh, four for 102 touchdowns against the Dolphins. Um, He's had a couple rough weeks against some teams that you would expect him to have a rough week against. Uh, Last week, you know, he played San Francisco in that downpour of a game that in Washington where, where really nobody was putting up fancy numbers unless you were running back really. And then, um, uh, three for 51 earlier this year against the Patriots, which is, you know, fairly decent numbers for a rookie wide receiver against, um, against a defense as good as the Patriots have been this year. So yeah, if you grabbed him off waivers, you gotta be looking good and fancy right now. I mean, kudos to you if, if you're being able to pick up McLaurin and, and play him uh, every week. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with a name, Scary Terry. <laughs> Great nickname, Scary Terry. He's doing real good tonight already. So 36 yards and four catches. So that's good. Back more than that tonight. But with every surprise comes disappointment, and we have some disappointments, unfortunately, this season. And my biggest one is is David Montgomery. I mean, David Montgomery kind of came out of nowhere. In the offseason, I mean, out of nowhere, he was just getting so much hype. He looked good in preseason. Like, everyone was like, oh, my God. And he jumped all the way up to, like, the third round, second round of some drafts late in the season because of his so much potential and the fact that he could probably control this offense. And all they needed was a running back who could carry the load. And Dave Montgomery was the savior for, for Chicago. Well, it hasn't been all that great, unfortunately, for him so far. I mean, he's ranked 39th against running backs right now this season. He's on 71 carries for 231 yards and a pretty lousy 3.3 yards a carry. He's got only two touchdowns on the season. And granted, he has some okay passing work with 11 catches for 85 yards so far. I mean, it's just not looking good. He's not running how we saw him running in the preseason. He's just getting tackled very quickly compared to the preseason where he's just kind of running over people. The only thing he has going for him is he has 11 11 red zone carries. He's actually leading the team in carries right now. And he's basically made Mike Davis non-existent after the whole Mike Davis hype. But he's been slowly losing his snap count over the last couple of weeks now. And he's kind of on a split right now with Tariq Cohen, which is a concern, hopefully, that he can somewhat turn it around. I mean, he has an easy schedule coming up. But for right now, he's been a huge disappointment after someone who we took over someone like Josh Jacobs in the third round of our fantasy drafts. Yeah, for me, um, I, I agree with that one. For me, I got another disappointment who's actually close in the same range there. None other than running back number 35, Joe Mixon. Um, Joe Mixon was a, a, a late first-round, early second-round pick in most drafts. Right now, he's got 62.3 total PPR points, which averages out to 8.9 PPR points per game. To me, he's become strictly touchdown-dependent. Um, he only has two touchdowns on the year at that. But I don't think production-wise you're going to get the yardage, you're going to get the receptions you're looking for. The Cincinnati Bengals are losing games, so therefore they're turning to the pass. And Gio Bernard has been the recipient of most of those passes. So for me, Mixon's almost at the point where he's droppable. I, I know that seems crazy to some, but if I could put somebody else in the, on my bench, because I'm not starting Mixon, I don't think anybody's starting Mixon, But if I can handcuff one of these league winners like an Alexander Madison or Chase Edmonds or someone along the or a Tony Power along those lines, I'm doing it. I'm dropping Joe Mixon for them. I'm sorry. Yeah, that 
that kind of makes sense. I mean, you can't start Joe Mixon. You can't trade Joe Mixon because he has no value. So you're either stuck with him on the bench or you you can try to for, uh, strengthen your bench by adding somebody else off waivers, unfortunately. Uh, just the Bengals' offensive line has just been so bad. It's It's been terrible. Totally agree. Unfortunately, totally. I, can't, I can't do it still, guys. I can't drop Joe Mixon. He is the starter still. Granted, he's so ineffective, but... I can't drop him on my off my fantasy. Granted, I don't have him anywhere, but I don't think I could. I don't think I could drop him. I mean, at some point, hopefully, you have to expect him to turn something around. But I don't know if I can personally just drop him just yet. I think my hope at the point of dropping him is whoever picks him up drops somebody better that I could pick up the following week. I mean, I'm just spinning my wheels on the Joe Mixon train, though. And like I said, I'm at the point he's droppable. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, jumping into my midseason disappointment, I've got Zach Ertz. And Zach Ertz was a tight end that was drafted this season as a top three for sure tight end. And currently sitting at tight end six on the season. So he hasn't been living up to the hype that you might have had for him on draft day. You know, that that tight end tier of uh, Kelsey Kittle and Ertz seemed to be going earlier than than the second tight end tier. and, And Ertz just hasn't lived up to those expectations yet. Um, He's got no 100-yard receiving games on the season. He only has one touchdown. Um, And last week, he was flat-out outplayed by Dallas Goddard. Um, So, I mean, you're kind of in a pickle with Ertz. Uh, You can't uh, move on from him because you're not going to get a better option at this point um, than than the tight end six. And uh, he's just kind of sitting there at the bottom of the tight end number one tier and he's uh he just hasn't produced and i'm hoping uh coming up soon here that he finds a way but like i said last week you saw how dallas goddard looked so maybe Ertz's time is his window's closing here in, in philadelphia yeah i totally agree with that especially being an eagles fan it's tough to watch Ertz play and don't ruin my surprise yet but i got a special surprise for my dfs pick <laughs> Definitely a bit ups. It's definitely upsetting to see Ertz not performing as he has. But fortunately, football lifespans are very quick sometimes. So, yeah. I mean, this is a guy that last year set the record for tight end receptions in a season. You know what happened over the course of just one season? It's it's tough to watch. Yeah, I think it's more to do with the the, the team's offensive philosophy in general than it is Zach Ertz. I think I think the team right. just isn't playing well to actually get him the ball. I mean, I, I may be playing devil's advocate here, but I, I have to think that last week's game, that that whole locker room blow up of, you know, Wentz only looks for Ertz, kind of played a part in the way Ertz got his touches and saw playing time. Not that Peterson fed into it, but I think it's more the quarterback trying to please everybody on the field, especially his receivers and all. So we'll have to see how that plays out, and, and especially in this week's game. Yeah, it's definitely a, a must-win right now for the Eagles in all situations going forward. But that was our surprises and disappointments. Uh, and now we get to go into our last segment of the day. DFS starts of the week. We all came up with one. you got to put in your starting lineups, whatever platform you play DFS on. Uh, for me, it's got to be A.J. Brown. You know, I play off uh, DraftKings sometimes, and right now he's he's only $4,100. That's really low, great starting receiver flex, whatever you want to throw him into. He gets to versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who allow an average of 340 yards in the passing game each game, and then 
over the last since week three, and they also have allowed ten touchdowns in that time frame. Um, he's a cheaper option just from you know what I just said is price rise. I think he could definitely dominate this week. I could see a solid like hundred over hundred yards and maybe a touchdown or two for him. Maybe two touchdowns. I could really see this Bucks defense allows a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of receiving yards in the game. So if you're looking for someone to throw out there as a flyer this week, this would be a perfect week to put AJ Brown in there. He could have that big game potential. Yeah, I, I like that, especially with the quarterback change. Uh, the Titans going to Tannehill instead of Mariota. I think that opens up their offense a little more because Tannehill's willing to throw the ball downfield, which is something A.J. Brown likes to do with stretch the field. And as you mentioned, the box defense can be definitely had with a shootout potential of a game. Yeah, definitely. Couldn't agree more with you on that. I, I really like what the what the Tennessee's offense is doing. I think, again, those though they also could have a really solid second half of the season, depending on how well Tannehill can keep up this production. So, yeah, for for me, um, I give it DFS pick uh, of the week is Dallas Goddard. Um, for me, when I do DraftKings, I like to solidify kind of my tight end and quarterback first at a value, and then splurge on running backs, receivers, flex, so to speak. And right now, Dallas Goddard on DraftKings is 2,800. He's lower than a guy who's on injured reserve in David Njoku. And the way I see this game playing out is Alshon Jeffrey's going to be lined up with Tredavious White, so you're not going to be able to go downfield. Nelson Aguilar, we know the story there. He can't catch babies. So for me, I think Goddard has the potential to have an eight reception, 80 yards, and possibly two-score game. And at the value you can get them for in DFS right now, it's definitely worth it. Yeah, for sure. Goddard, like I said earlier, he he looked great last week. So if he can carry any of that over this week, he could be in for another big one. Uh, jump in here with my DFS start of the week, and I've got Kenny Stills. Um, Kenny Stills is going to step right into the Will Fuller role here uh, with Fuller out with a hamstring injury. So... Um, so look for him to kind of take over what Will Fuller had been doing. And you remember the big week that Fuller had just a few weeks ago. Uh, huge fancy production out of him. Uh, so so Stills leads uh, the Texans in wide receiver uh, yards per target. Uh, he's top three in yards per reception and yards per route uh, in the NFL. Uh, Deshaun Watson, when targeting Kenny Stills, has posted a QBR of 136.3. Uh, so that's actually fifth best among all uh, quarterback wide receiver combos in the league. Um, he Kenny Stills is currently ninth best in fancy points per route run. He's $5,700 on FanDuel this week, $4,700 on DraftKings. And I, I feel like that's a bargain for a guy that could come out and have a huge week. Uh, matchup with the Raiders this week. The Raiders have allowed 16 passing touchdowns in seven games this year. So that's over two passing touchdowns a game. If Stills can get one or two of those, uh, I just have a feeling he's in for a huge week. Yeah, I, I love it, especially since, you like you said, they're going against the Raiders, who actually just traded away their best cornerback in Gary on Connolly. So I think Stills at that price is a must-have in DFS. Great work on that. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm all about Kenny Stills anywhere possible this week. You could definitely have that really big game potential to him. But that actually wraps up our show today. Um, uh, we want to just quick recap. You know, we talked about some trade breakdowns. 
We talked about our mid-season surprises and disappointments, and then we finished it off with some DFS for you guys. So we hope you guys really enjoyed it. Uh, again, please, you know, please follow the, please go look at the website, www.thefantasycoaches.com. Oh, www.wenofantasy.com. Um, with all of our great content that we, the three of us, we put up there each and every week for you guys, and we really do appreciate it. Um, we, we enjoy putting that kind of content up there for you guys to listen to and everything. And then every Monday, you know, again, you know, please watch Nate as he gives us his waiver wire wish list uh, podcast. He goes over the waiver wires for the week. And then on Wednesdays, as always, you know, uh, Nate jumps on with the Fantasy Fro, and they, they, do, they, do, they do the great work that they do and tell us everything we need to know about fantasy football for the week. So uh, we do hope you guys uh, enjoyed listening to this tonight and as much as we did uh, hosting it for you. So uh, thank you guys, and thanks for listening. Have a great one. Yeah, see you next week. See you guys later. Thank you very much.